So this morning we're just, we're continuing our series. We're looking uh, at a passage in Luke chapter 12. And uh, what's going to happen, I'm going to read the passage uh, and it's not going to go up on the screen, but as I speak, I'm going to then read uh, various uh, just uh, verses and then I'm going to make a few comments on them uh, this morning. We believe that the Bible is relevant to us today and that God speaks to us through his word. And uh, we believe that Jesus, the Son of God, uh, is relevant, he's alive, and that his words uh, speak into our circumstances and where we are. So I'm going to read this parable. It's a parable. It's called The Parable of the Rich Fool. It's from Luke chapter 12. It won't come up behind me on the screen, but just listen to it. I just want you to let it soak over you, and then we're going to um, unpack it a little bit. So this is what it says. Someone from the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what shall I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this night, this very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That is how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so I want to uh, just unpack uh, uh, these first few verses. Someone in, from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? I've been uh, listening this last week to a podcast. It's called The Rest is History. And uh, it's a podcast uh, uh, by uh, Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook. Uh, 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 it's a historical podcast looking at people from history. And there was a podcast they did about Jesus uh, in December 22. And I was listening to it. And uh, they were uh, uh, talking about the provoking questions uh, that people have of Jesus and the, the questions they have of him. As we read this passage, this guy we read about in uh, the, the story, he has questions. He has a question for Jesus. He has something to pose to him. He says, Jesus, will you do this for me? We, say, we ask these sorts of questions all the time. Jesus, will you answer my prayer? Jesus, will you meet my need? Jesus, will you sort this situation out for me? I hear those sorts of uh, questions all the time. This man's focus is on getting Jesus to help him to do what he feels he's entitled to, that he should have. We can come to Jesus a little bit like that. Jesus, you ought to do this for me. I deserve you to do this for me. 
I deserve a better job. I deserve a rise in salary. I deserve a, a bigger house. I deserve good health. Jesus, you ought to answer my prayer. The list goes on of the things that we are asking Jesus to do for us. Listen, I want to say to you, Jesus was, is, and will always be uh, concerned about injustices, about things that happen to us. He will always be concerned. But before anything else, he's interested in what's going on in our hearts and our motives. And too often, our motives are self-centered and they're selfish. Sometimes, I pray, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to people? Would you save people? Would you build your church? But the question that probes up my heart is, is my prayer more about me looking like a great leader of a growing church? It's a real challenge of what's going on in our hearts. And if Jesus was physically here this morning, what is it you would be asking him to do for you? In this story, the, uh, the, the, the man's father had clearly died. And this man was himself, the younger brother. And in Jewish law, the older brother's portion of the family inheritance was twice that of the younger brother. Nothing, the younger brother could do nothing about the estate and getting his share of the estate until the older brother decided uh, that, that it was time to do something, and he agreed. The older brother held all the cards. And this man was asking Jesus to help him because he's clearly fallen out with his older brother. Maybe he was saying to Jesus, if you do this for me, I'll follow you. If you answer my prayer, I'll follow you. He wanted what he thought was rightfully his. And he wanted it now. Jesus refuses to get involved in their squabble. He focuses on something far more important that this man has lost sight of. He lost sight of a relationship with God in heaven, the God who created him. Jesus is much more bothered about internal issues, what's going on in here, than he is about external issues. Nothing has changed. Maybe this morning we're a little disillusioned because Jesus hasn't responded to our request in the way that we wanted. Maybe we're struggling because Jesus hasn't answered our prayer. Well, we need to hear what Jesus says in this passage. The first thing that Jesus says is that greed blinds us. In verse 15, it says this. He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. I remember some years ago staying in a B&B. Annie and I were there and this lady had, uh, had made a... a there's a big spread for breakfast. It's amazing. And uh, we were having breakfast, and uh, she was sort of quite the matriarch. Uh, she was a real character. And uh, I remember uh, during breakfast, I reached out 
to, to get something from the middle of the table. And she slapped my hand and said, I was like, I'm 54. No one's done that to me since I was like seven. Sometimes we can, we can feel that, that, that the Bible and God is really negative. Don't do that. Well, the Bible does say some things that we shouldn't do. So uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, don't lie. He says, don't lie. Don't steal. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger, brawling, slander. Every form of lies. He, says, he basically says, don't do those things. Stop it. But he doesn't say, stop being greedy. He says, watch out. Why does he say that? Why doesn't he say, stop being greedy? He says, watch out. He says that because greed creeps up on us. Greed will cause us serious harm. But we don't see it coming. It's not obvious to us. It creeps up, it creeps up in our heart and in our thinking and we, we suddenly find ourselves caught in something. We didn't see it coming. Greed blinds us. You see, our eyes help us see where we should go. I mean, if, if I close my eyes and start walking forward, we all know what's going to happen. There's going to be a big splash and I'll be the first person being baptized today. <laughs> our eyes point out, they, they tell us... Uh, uh, where we should go and the ground we should walk on, the path we should take. In that respect, they bring light into our hearts. They bring light into our thinking to enable us to make good decisions. Jesus is saying our decision-making is affected by our spiritual eyes, what we fix our hearts on. It's why he warns us against all kinds of greed in Matthew chapter 6. Our desire for money, for wealth, and stuff gets in the way so spiritually we can't see clearly. Is that our blind spot? In 21st century Winchester. Here's a question for you. How many people have you ever heard say that they and confess that they are greedy. I mean, I hear people say all the time, oh, in fact, I was talking with someone this morning, we were talking, oh, we put on a little bit of weight and there's a bit of, bit of middle-age spread, it's spread a little further than we thought it was going to. Uh, we hear people say they struggle with all sorts of things. Well, I don't hear anybody say, oh, I'm a, I struggle, I'm a greedy person. I struggle with greed. Tim Keller, the Christian author and pastor, once said this, if we say it's not a problem for us, it's a sign that it is. It's why we always live up to the money that we have. We spend what we have. It's why we only compare ourselves with people who have more than us. We don't compare ourselves against people who have less than us. It's why we think we always have Never enough. Greed causes us to hold tightly to what we have while still grasping for that little bit more. Underneath, there's a gnawing fear in our hearts that we might lose what we have and 
What we do have left won't be enough for the future. The Bible talks about the secret of being content. It's a secret. You have to find it. Are you content? You see, greed isn't the preserve of the rich. You can have nothing and be greedy. I was uh, reading this week an executive summary of the Ford's Forbes Billionaire List 2023. This is what it said. Executive summary across the top. Nearly half of all billionaires are poorer than they were a year ago. Oh, bless. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? Shame. I mean, we love comparing ourselves, don't we? Our looks, our height, our clothes... We should never measure ourselves or others by the stuff we or they have. Jesus says that life isn't about the abundance of our possessions. When Jesus talks about abundance, he's talking about what we have over and above what we need. The Greek word for covetousness that is used means wanting more than our fair share. Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to have money, possessions, and stuff, but he says our lives aren't measured by what we have over and above what we actually need. James Edwards, in his commentary, says this, Few sayings of Jesus are more relevant to the consumer mentality of the modern world than this statement. For life can't be measured or judged by the amount of stuff we own, amass, or win. How true that is. Greed blinds us. And so Jesus goes on to explain through a parable about investing well. And so I'm going to read this Jesus parable to you. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I'll do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Jesus is talking about investing well. I mean, we all want a good deal, don't we? Uh, in COVID, some of you may remember that uh, I shared this one Christmas morning on Zoom, as I recollect at the time. Uh, I'd been, something, a shower hadn't been working, and I thought, I know, I'll buy a new shower online. So um, uh, I went online, and there are about 350, I found the one I wanted, the, the one to replace the exact one that I had. Uh, it's 350 pounds, something like that. And so I went on, I see if I can get a better deal. And I had found one which was like 89 pounds, something like that. I thought, wow, that's a good deal. I'll have that. It was, uh, I was buying it from uh, China. And, um, and uh, so I, I, I paid the money. And I'm watching it, tracking it, coming across the UK, uh, across the world. And, um, and then uh, I'm just thinking, what a great deal. I have saved myself 260 pounds. I was really proud of myself. And uh, then it eventually arrived. <laughs> it's like a little toolbox. 
And um, there's a lesson for you. Be careful where you invest. I thought I'd got a great deal, but I was investing. I didn't know what I was investing. I didn't know where it was coming from. Learned a, a painful, costly lesson. In the parable, the, the man is already rich. This man is rich. Jesus talks about a rich man. There's no hint. Jesus isn't hinting that he's got his wealth from corrupt means. He's a farmer, and he's got an enviable uh, problem. He has a bumper harvest. It's enough for his immediate needs, and it's enough for the years uh, to come. His conundrum is, what does he do with what he doesn't need at the moment? And his solution is to pull down his existing barns and to build bigger ones. It's a pragmatic solution. It shows great foresight. Yet God calls him a fool. His sin is not having, but hoarding. Here's Jesus' challenge to us. Are we hoarders? Do we, what do we do with the excess that we have over and above what we need? Do we show off? See that all the time, people driving flashy cars. Do we hide it? Do we use it to feather our own nest? Do we save for a rainy day? Do we pretend that we don't have it? This man is a fool, God says, because he did nothing to cause the bumper harvest. It wasn't due to his cleverness. In the story, the ground, it's the ground that produces the harvest, not the man. It's God who sends the rain and causes the sun to shine on uh, and make the seed grow. God causes the seed to grow. The man's a fool because he thinks the harvest is a windfall, not a godsend. He's received a gift from God he didn't earn or deserve. What about us? Every good and perfect gift that we have comes down from God above. Do we acknowledge God's grace to us? Do we, are we thankful for what he does for us? This man did nothing to cause the bumper harvest. He, this man is full of himself. James, in James 4 verse 6, it warns that pride comes before a fall. This man sings his own praises. Listen to what he says. What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for years ahead. Wow. He thought it was all about him when it was all about God. He forgot everything comes from and belongs to God. That's what it says in Psalm 24. So our soul, our soul should thirst after God, the giver, not the gifts that we get from him. Augustine in the 4th and 5th century said this, our souls are restless until they find rest in God. Has your soul found rest in God? Have you found the giver? 
of all good things. He was full of himself. He was also isolated. We read he thought to himself. He said to himself. He spoke to himself. In Jesus' day, people lived life in community. He spoke to no one. Wealth had isolated him. And he only thinks of himself. Yet there's plenty he can do. There's plenty he could do with with what God has blessed him with. Farmers in the day were to ensure that their fields weren't completely harvested. Their edges were to be left unharvested so that the poor, the needy, the stranger, the fatherless could actually go and collect uh, grain that they could use and for living on themselves. All of us have a responsibility for those around us who have less whether that's where we live or in the wider world where we live. In the wider world, all of us are wealthy by comparison. God blesses us so we can be a blessing. God wants us to be generous. And he wants us to be generous because he wants us to be like him, like our Father in heaven. God is a generous God. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness, we're told. We need to invest well. Are we investing well? Very quickly, the third thing we see is that life is short. In verse 20, but God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Most of you who know me well, have been around many years, will know that my dad suddenly died, was killed in a car accident when I was 27. Just happened, just like that. No one saw it coming. The man in the story that we read about has a wrong view of life. The man's focused on the quality of the life he enjoys as a result of the stuff he has. That's what the Greek word psyche that Jesus uses means. His mistake is thinking his body's his soul. And Jesus goes on to explain that real life is found in a relationship with God. He says that that night God will demand the man's life which God gave to him in the first place. It can happen just like that, just as it did for my father. The Greek word that Jesus then uses for the life that he should uh, pursue is zoe. It means the fullness of life that Jesus offers. Jesus says that he has come to give us life and life to the full. That's the life he wants to have. It's an inward life. It's a spiritual life. It's life in God. And we don't earn that uh, life. We don't buy it. We receive it as a gift by grace. And today we're going to be baptizing four people who have found that life in Christ. They have received the gift of life in Christ that God has offered them. They have put their trust in Jesus and what Jesus did for them on the cross. And as they go into the water of baptism today, they are saying that they have put their trust in him and their old life is it's like going in, they're going, into, they're going down under the water saying, our old life, I've died to that. 
And as they come out of the water, they're saying, I'm rising to new life in Christ. That has already happened. What they're doing is, is testifying to you that that's what's happened to them. They are now, they are being baptized into Christ. They belong to Jesus. And their life is lived for him. They're not going to get everything perfect. It's not that they're not going to make mistakes as they go forward. But something has radically changed in here. They've, get, they've put their trust in him. They've received the new life that Jesus offers. And I just want to say to you, each one of us can do it. If you've not done that, you can do that today. You can receive this new life that Jesus offers. Because life is short. You see, this man thought he had time on his hands. We all think that we've got time on our hands. In Psalm 139, it says that our days are in God's hands. That night, this man's soul was required of him. And the language used is, is of a loan being called in. This man, in the parable, found out his, too late his soul was on loan from God. Jesus doesn't want any of us to make the same mistake. Each one of us are to be thankful for every day that we have. Wake up every morning. I wake up every morning and say, thank you for another day. I don't take it for granted. Tomorrow is a gift, not a right. And we need to learn to live in the day and be thankful to God. Life is short. Finally, Jesus says that we need to be rich towards God. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Jesus says we need to be rich towards God. He doesn't want us to focus on the stuff of this life. Actually, he knows what we need. And in uh, the, the next passage, Jesus says that if God feeds the birds, won't he provide for us? We don't need to worry about it. If God is our Father, he will provide what we need. Instead, we need to focus on a life that makes us rich towards God. We need to use the blessings that God gives us, the time that God give us, gives us, the gifts that God gives us, the homes that God gives us, the wealth that God gives us to bless others. Proverbs 19 verse 17 says, when we do this, when we care for those who have less than us, we lend to God. And yet being rich towards God is not primarily about what we do. It's about receiving something that he freely gives. Paul sums it up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. You don't do anything for it. It's a gift from God. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, being rich towards God is receiving the rich life that he gives us in Christ, the new life that he gives us in Christ. It's immeasurable. It's rich, it's precious. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 13 tells 
Uh, two parables, short parables. He talks about a treasure in a field, a man who's walking and he finds treasure in a field. And this treasure is worth everything and he goes and gives and sells everything to buy the field and get the treasure. He then tells a, a parable of a, uh, of a man who uh, uh, finds a pearl of great price. This pearl is of immeasurable worth and he goes and sells everything to acquire the pearl. The point is this, if we want to be rich towards God, there is life in God, in Christ. That's the riches. So like a treasure in a field, it's worth giving everything for. And I see people get baptized today. They are saying, he is worth everything to me. He is my treasure in the field. He's worth everything, giving everything for. He is the pearl of great price that I'm going to hold on to from this moment for the rest of my life. It's a precious moment. You too can do that today. And as I come to close, I'm just going to pray. And then uh, we're going to invite the children. Uh, John will get up and we'll get the children back in. But I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're here right now by your Spirit. And I want to pray for everyone here. I pray, Father, that you would help us see, help us see, truly see, help us not be blinded by greed and the stuff of this life. I pray, Father, that you would help us invest where we should invest, in things that really matter. Help us invest in relationships and community. Help us not be isolated. Help us to always see where what we have comes from and it comes from you. Help us to be grateful and thankful for that. Help us to recognize that our, our lives are brief and we want to make the most of what we have. And more than anything, Heavenly Father, may we be rich towards you. And if there's any here today who uh, realize that they're They've been poor towards you. May this morning they receive the gift of life in Christ and may they become rich towards God. In Jesus' name, amen.